neurodiverging friends, and welcome to the Neurodiverging Podcast. My name is Danielle Sullivan. I am your host. I am a certified life coach, positive psychology coach, transformation coach, emotional intelligence coach. I may have uh, taken lots of classes, and I am an autistic parent of two neurodivergent children living in Colorado, and I'm very happy you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have an excellent guest. Her name is Danielle Winden. She has a business degree with a concentration in international and managerial business. And upon graduating, she worked abroad in Taiwan and earned a teaching English as a foreign language certificate. She taught for over 10 years and later started teaching for the Asian Affairs Center at the University of Missouri. She received a credential from the Association for College and University Educators in Effective College Instruction and then founded the company Memory Strategies in 2018, with a focus on how to help students and professionals learn effective and efficient techniques for studying, learning, remembering, focus, and productivity. I'm really excited to talk to Danielle today because, as you heard, she teaches memory skills. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the podcast, but executive function includes working memory, which I'll describe in a bit. And uh, a lot of those skills can be lacking or not very strong, at least in neurodivergent people. I don't mean lacking as in a bad way. I say it for myself too. We have strengths and we have weaknesses and that's like a normal human thing, right? So we're allowed to have both. Um, but working memory can be one of the weaknesses in a neurodivergent profile. And so Danielle is here to teach us how memory works, what kinds of memory there are, and what are some tricks or hacks or helpers to increase our focus and our memory and our learning um, with data. So I'm really excited to talk to her today, and I think you'll learn a lot in this podcast. Before we dive into the interview, the general spiel, which I'm sure you're sick of hearing, but I got to say it in case you're new, and if you're new, welcome. Um, if you're new, please go check out the website at neurodiverging.com. There we have full transcriptions of all of the podcasts. We're over 50 now. Um, we have uh, articles written by various neurodivergent people and authors, and we have um, free or low-cost educational events that we run every month, including webinars, peer support groups, um, all sorts of things. So just go to the website, neurodiverging.com, and check that out. I also will say thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, so much to my patrons who support this podcast and keep us running. We would not be able to do it without patron funds. Uh, it costs a lot to run a, web, a website and a podcast and all these things. It's just really appreciated that I'm able to do this and able to get these resources out to folks for free because of my patrons. If you like neurodiverging and you want us to keep going, please consider making a small monthly pledge at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. You can start with a buck, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever is in your budget. Um, and you get behind the scene perks and the knowledge that you are helping keep this resource free for everybody, which uh, is very appreciated. So if you're interested, patreon.com slash neurodiverging and neurodiverging.com. And now let's go talk to Danielle. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for coming on the Neurodiverging podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited you're here. Uh, we can dig right in. I know you're the owner of Memory Strategies and you provide personalized memory strategies for learners and leaders is what it said on your website. I love that. And this is such a cool niche field of like memory, learning about memory and learning how memory functions. How did you get started with it originally? So the start is kind of interesting. I started <laughs> off as a teacher and I was teaching English as a second language. So I had students from all over the world coming to learn English. 
um, these were really high intensity programs and we had a three strikes and you're out policy, which means mm. if you failed a class three times, you're out of the program. So the stakes were really high. You know, parents are sending their kids abroad. It's expensive. It's stressful. And what I saw is that these students, you know, it, it was, um, it was really burdensome on them. Yeah. And so as a teacher, I was thinking, okay, what can I do to help these kids remember more vocabulary, remember their grammar rules? How can I help them improve their test scores and keep them in this program? And I came across, it was actually a TV show. Have you ever heard of the TV show Child Genius? I don't know that one. Is it, is it what it sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> It is. Uh, it's these kids, they're like, you know, nine, 10 years old, and they're competing for a scholarship of $100,000. Mm-hmm. And what was really fascinating is they had a memory round. And they had to memorize like a deck of cards, 52 cards within an hour, and they couldn't make any mistakes. And I remember this one girl talked about a memory palace. And I was like, what is that? So I started doing some research. And so what I did is I learned the memory palace method of learning how to memorize information. And it was really effective. I was able to memorize a deck of cards in an hour without any mistakes. And it was easy. And I thought, oh my gosh, I bet I could teach this to my students. And so instead of memorizing cards, let's memorize vocabulary words. And I taught them and their scores skyrocketed 300%. So I was like, okay, I'm on to something. I figured out something that not a lot of teachers use. And so I thought, well, let me spread this, not just to ESL students, but every student and, you know, anyone that needs to get licensed or certified in a professional field and they need to cram a bunch of stuff in their head. You know, that's, it's a really great method. So that's where it started. Um, and that's why it's called memory strategies, but it's really grown into how to learn, how to remember, how to study, how to recall, how to really engage with material. And so it's sort of turned more into like study skills, mm-hmm. but memory is kind of like that core element that when you can remember information, then things become so much more limitless that you can build on what you already know. That's what it is, is you're connecting old information to new information. And the more information you have, the more connections you can make. So that's, what's so fascinating about it. That's really cool. And yeah, the, not only the connections, but the way you manipulate information, right. Um, is so affected by memory. I'm somebody with a uh, very good, and I don't know the terminology for memory, so you can <laughs> add some in if you like, but I have very good, like, long-term memory, um, memory of experience, memory of, of sensory input. I have very poor working memory. And so I'm one of those people who can walk down a street that I haven't been to for 10 years and be like, that's the place with the really good cookies. But if you ask me like, where did somebody put the thing that I was just holding two minutes ago, that part of my memory is very poor. And so it's just, I, I think that a lot of, you know, as somebody with executive dysfunction and a lot of listeners who are working with folks with executive dysfunction, I think that memory piece is so integral and so important. And it's just, it's just so interesting. So Yeah. Cool. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, there are so many, you know, we hear um, short-term memory, long-term memory, working memory, um, implicit memory, um, you know, we've got uh, muscle memory, we've got semantic memory, we've got mm-hmm. episodic memory. So like it's, it's overwhelming, right? And so what I like to tell people is that, you know, there's so many different types, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of memory. And just because you are maybe bad at one type of memory doesn't mean you're bad at another. So mm-hmm. you mentioned like, um, like that place down the street has really good donuts, right? That, that information is processed differently than having to like study for the ACT. Mm-hmm. And so you can learn techniques to improve your semantic memory, which is that how to take a test, how to, you know, dates and processes and orders and facts. Mm-hmm. 
that information you can learn how to remember. So it's a skill. Memory is a skill. Yes. You just yes. have to practice it. Yeah. Which is, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think a lot of folks, um, especially those of us who are dealing with ADHD or autism, and there's this framing of it's a medical issue and therefore it's, you're fixed, right? You, <clears throat> there's not a lot of growth. These traits are just the way they are. And, you know, as a coach, um, that's something that we push back against a lot, right? There is growth potential and there's ways to change. And it's really fantastic to hear that memory is an area for growth too, that we can adapt and, and adjust our techniques and our approaches to build that skill. So that's and really exciting. What's even more fascinating is that there are tons of people and especially in the memory world mm -hmm. who were dyslexic who were that had ADHD and they started learning these memory techniques and they could do things that people just didn't even know were possible so let me give you an example mm -hmm. um there is a world record right now for number of digits of pi memorized so mm -hmm. pi is that um, random number there's no pattern or sequence to that number so it's just rote memory or quote mm -hmm. rote memory um, can you guess the world record for number of digits of pi memorized? I feel like if people are out there memorizing decks of cards in an hour, it's probably several hundred digits, right? But I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so several hundred, it's actually 70,000 digits. Wow. So the, imagine like people for fun. <laughs> I guess if you have time, you know, if you're spending your day Everyone there, I can home, see you right? getting that. Yes. <laughs> but the point is, is that these people or at least very sell, you know, very few of these people are born with this Einstein like memory, you know, it's a skill, it's a type of technique and method mm -hmm. and discipline that they've put into place so that they can remember this arbitrary information. And that's what learning is. Learning is you have something new that you have never seen before and you have to figure out how do I understand this piece of information? I have to use what's already in my brain to make those connections. That's what learning mm -hmm. is, connecting old to new. And so Absolutely. anyways, so it's just fascinating that, you know, people with, you know, either learning disabilities or um, any other sort of like brain functioning that's different but neurodivergent <laughs> that it's a skill that can be learned and people can be really successful despite these learning disabilities that's so excellent so what are some some of the you're not going to give away all your trade secrets obviously but are there some basic things that folks who are listening can do or try or teach their students um that we can do to be improving our memories like are there everyday things that you'd suggest working on Yes, um, I've got a few. And I would say the, the one that I love to share is simply closing your eyes. There was a study done and they said that people who closed their eyes when they were trying to remember something were able to recall 23% more. Mm -hmm. So what that does is when you're closing your eyes, you're you're temporarily banning input mm -hmm. coming in. So you're allowed, it's basically a focus technique and not so much a memory technique, but that's a really quick and easy thing anyone can do. Another thing that I love talking about is getting organized so mm -hmm. that you don't have to remember everything. Like sometimes we think, oh, we, I can't remember, but we have so many tools available to us, so much technology, so many systems we can put into place. So that way we aren't burdened down with, you know, mm -hmm. the day to day. And then we can you kind of save our brain power for the more important things we kind of talked about that before we got on that <laughs> but throughout a day we have you know hundreds of thoughts that come in and it's up to us to sort of well and our brain to sort out like okay what's important 
What do I need to remember? What do I not need to remember? Mm -hmm. So anything that you need to remember, you need to have a place for. So I'm sure throughout your day, you're like, oh, I have to get my oil changed and I have to put the laundry in. And I have this blog idea and I, I found this little bit of research, but I, you know, I have a link that's just in a document somewhere or, <laughs> or bookmarked, you know? And so the idea is in order to remember more, you have to set up systems so that when that thought comes into your brain, it immediately has a single location where it goes. So mm -hmm. it's not just like a junk drawer, like, oh, I'm just going to deal with all of this later because now you're dealing with the same issue twice because you're having to go back to it. So taking the time to set up the systems to put information in specific places is going to save everyone a lot of time and a lot of headache. Yeah. Thank you. And that's a huge, um, piece of focus for a lot of my autistic ADHD clients too, because, and you know, in, in coaching, at least, and maybe in memory too, you call it externalizing, right? You get it out of your brain and you get it out somewhere into, you know, a, a calendar, into a to-do list, into a, a, a notion board or a Trello board, right? You have a process for how you're going to do it. Um, and sticking and, to that process, because yes. a lot of people... Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. You put it in a couple different places and then you've just created a new problem. So like be, yeah. be really diligent with Highly yourself. Highly specific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm with you there. That's really, yeah. And it does reduce so much of that cognitive load and clear so much more space for just thinking to work. And I, I love the, um, the closing your eyes. I think I do that automatically. It reminds me of when you're driving and you get lost and you have to think and you turn off the radio. <laughs> Because it's like just see. reducing the load. I can't see. I don't know where the turn is. I'm going to turn off the noise, which like doesn't make sense uh, logically unless you're thinking about the sensory piece and the reducing input. So I love that you highlighted that because that's just, it's so important. Yeah, yes. that's yeah. fantastic. Thank you. And have you noticed, I know you work with um, a mix of different brains and I know you work with ADHDers and dyslexics. Have you noticed any difference in how um, people are using memory or using memory techniques that's like kind of related to brain like do ADHDers tend to have different kinds of memories or different strengths than neurotypical people or is it all mixed <laughs> yeah I don't I mean I can just talk about my experience mm -hmm. when I have worked with people with ADHD and like this isn't proven this is just kind of what I picked yeah, up your experience it, mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people that are neurodivergent are actually really good at picking up these mm -hmm. um memory methods and techniques because it allows for a little more of that creativity. So a lot of times our learning processes in a school setting or lecture or workplace, you know, mm -hmm. it's the boring video and you have to click through and it's <laughs> not very engaging. And so the memory techniques that I teach are highly engaging and it uses a lot of creativity, a lot of imagination, a lot of sort of insanity and funniness, you know, funny things. And um, people that are neurodivergent just tend to, I've seen tend to pick up on it mm -hmm. a little faster and can run with it a little easier. I'll give you an example. There was a uh, kid who attended one of my workshops. This was, um, um, let's see, I think he was like maybe sixth grade. There were teenagers mm -hmm. there, there were parents there. And I gave them an activity. I said, I've got a list of 10 items. I want you to make a story to memorize these 10 items. Mm -hmm. And I started to go through the example, one, two, three, by the time I got to three, this boy raised his hand. He's like, I already got the rest of the store. And he went into detail about <laughs> every single thing, the, the little movie he made in his head to remember mm -hmm. those 10 items. He was picking up on it so quick. And he didn't, you know, he wasn't bound, you know, by traditional learning methods. And so mm -hmm. that was really exciting to see. Um, and see, I've seen the same thing happen with other um, like high school students mm -hmm. that I've had dyslexia or ADHD and they were able to pick it up really well. Yeah. Thank you. That creativity piece. And 
also, again, from my experience and not, you know, evidence-based, um, I think a lot of autistic brains, especially are sometimes hyper-connected, like we form associations between memories, uh, kind of more randomly almost, <laughs> you know, again, from this brief conversation that a lot of these memory techniques are based on forming links, forming connections, right? That's what you said, forming associations. And so it seems like that might be a kind of an interesting piece, something I'll have to do more research on is, uh, yeah, how that might be connected. So here's a phrase I really like to tell people, the brain remembers the extraordinary, not the ordinary. Mm -hmm. So the more, you know, when you make those connections and they quote unquote, don't make sense, it's actually good because what you're doing is you're make, you are purposely making something more memorable. Mm -hmm. Our brains are so tired of seeing boring information go in and out. And that's what we forget so easily. So the more jarring, the more obnoxious, the more bizarre, the more mm -hmm. like random, the better. It's actually yeah. good for memory. You want that dopamine spike <laughs> to, yeah. to help you get excited about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really yeah. cool. I want to ask you, are there any specific myths about how memory works that you would love to take this opportunity to correct or to talk about? Because I feel like um, there's a lot of ideas, for example, around studying, right? So there's a lot of ideas that I hear brought to me about how you should study, you sit down, you focus, you, you know, read, you know, you do the multiple choice, you do the flashcards, whatever. Um, and some of those are really effective for some brains, and some of them are highly <laughs> just not effective, or not a good usage of time. Um, are there any particular myths or misunderstandings that people come to you with in terms of memory that um, you think are worth, worth adjusting or worth commenting on? Yeah. And I think the biggest myth is that memory is fixed at birth or you're bored. You have a good memory or a bad memory. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, being able to learn techniques on how to use memory. Cause so, so often we just rely on like, Oh, I can't remember. Oh, well, or darn it, you know, yeah. and that's it. instead of like, okay, what can I do to be proactive? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talk about memory myths, but it also go, you know, we can't learn without memory. And so there's a lot of learning myths out there too. And the biggest one is um, the one about learning style. So we've heard mm -hmm. of the Mark method, which is um, visual, auditory, reading and writing and kinesthetic. Yeah. And the problem with this is that, I mean, this has actually been disproven like for over a decade. And what's unfortunate is that it's like one of the largest psychological myths in education mm -hmm. to date. And there's like literally type in Google, um, like learning styles myth, and you will see hundreds of journal articles, peer reviewed research backed journal articles that say like, this isn't actually the case. <laughs> and so, and so some people might feel disappointed by that because maybe they felt like they have found like a learning style that worked for them. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's the, and the conclusion of this is that people are capable of learning in more styles than they thought they could. Mm -hmm. So it's actually good news that this myth is busted. It was pigeonholing a lot of people into like, oh, I can only learn this one way. And so you have like blocked off other types of learning. And so it suppresses that growth mindset. So the good news is that we are capable of learning in multiple quote unquote learning styles. We can learn in a lot of different ways. That's awesome. I love that it's a, an argument for the growth, right? That it's not just, oh, you're not a visual learner, you've lost something, but it's, oh, you could be a visual learner and also access exactly. information through all these other ways because visual learning isn't a thing in and of itself, right? So yeah, yeah that's really cool. Um, let's say that you are learning like how to fix a car. Yeah. 
right? So if you only listen to audiobooks about how to like tear apart an engine and rebuild it again, and you've only listened to audiobooks on this, you're pro- like when you have to go fix a car, you're probably not going to be very good at it. It's because it's a naturally kinesthetic job. Mm-hmm. You naturally have to work with your hands. And so that's how you learn is you practice using your hands. And same thing with a math problem, right? Like a lot of people are not going to be um, auditory people with a math problem. Like they're not going to just speak the math problem in their head. A lot of people have to write it on paper, reading mm-hmm. and writing a different learning style than maybe what they're what they thought they were. So, you know, different types of learning takes place in different channels and different methods. And so we're capable of doing a lot more than we think. That's really cool. Awesome. We blasted through the questions I had for you. Um, what, which is, which is great. And sometimes that happens. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should (laughs) while I have you or anything that you wanted to get across in this interview that I haven't given you the opportunity to do? I would say um, when it comes to memory um, and learning that there are study skills Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't know about. So um, one thing I want people to take away is that there are study skills that especially teens or college age students or even adults can Mm -hmm. use that go beyond reading something, highlighting and making note cards. That's kind of when I ask people like, how do you learn? How do you study? Those are the three big ones that come up. But there is so much, there are much more effective ways. And so one of those is to talk to another person about it. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have another person, talk to the mirror, talk to yourself, (laughs) talk to your pet and using your mouth to explain something, Mm -hmm. a concept, it makes you the teacher. And when you can teach something, you understand it to a whole new degree than you did just sort of consuming it. So Mm -hmm. some, some people think like, oh, I'm reading this book. I'm, you know. Uh, I'm learning a lot by reading, but we can read a paragraph and then forget what we just read or not understand what we just read. Mm -hmm. So being able to think about it, right. um, Make a visual on paper, you know, like doodling, doodling is so underrated. Doodling can do so much for helping us connect dots and rearrange information in a way till we finally understand. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a real world example of that. Um, I was kind of mapping out one of my business processes and it took me at four or five different tries to finally get it in a way that made sense, that included all the information Mm -hmm. that that made sense to me. It wasn't making sense to me and I created the process. And so I ended up drawing it on paper, drawing it on a whiteboard using Miro.com, which is like another whiteboard Mm -hmm. platform. And then I ended up using Asana, which allows you to input a calendar. So I played with the information, even though I was the creator of it, until I could explain it to my assistant, right? And so that's what we have to do with information and with learning to really understand something is to play with it, get Mm -hmm. dirty, try a bunch of different methods instead of just reread, reread, reread. I don't get it. Oh, well, yeah, really get your hands in there and play with it. That's what I encourage people to do and to (laughs) be able to understand more of the world around them. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here today. Can you let folks know where can they find your blog and all the information about memory strategies. <laughs> you can go to memorystrategy.com and you'll see the blog and you'll see all kinds of information there. That'll be really helpful. Awesome. And I'll put links in the show notes below. So please check them out. Thanks so much for being here today, Danielle. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here today with me on this 
episode of the Neurodiverging Podcast. I hope you learned as much as I did. If you're interested in seeing the full transcript, more information about Danielle or anything else, please head to the website at neurodiverging.com. Links are also in the show notes below. And I encourage you to go to Danielle's website and look at all the free resources she has there because some of them are amazing. I'll also just say, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, and keeping us going for future episodes and future listeners, please check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. It is very appreciated. And please remember, we're all in this together. Thank you.